Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by Apex Network Physical Therapy, the first physical therapy franchise. Apex Network is privately owned with 70-plus locations in 12 states. With more than 20 years of business and clinical experience, Apex Network offers unique business models that are designed to maximize profitability while providing you with the tools and resources you need to optimize owning and operating your own practice, all while remaining independent. Let Apex Network take you on the path to owning your own physical therapy clinic today. For more information, visit apexnetworkfranchise.com or call 314-391-2601. And of course, we will have the link at the show notes at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Now on to today's episode. Again, this was recorded live at the WCPT meeting in Geneva, Switzerland, and I was so happy to have my friend and fellow physical therapist, Christina Lee, on the program. Christina is a physical therapist and PhD candidate in rehab sciences in the Faculty of Rehabilitation Medicine at the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. As a clinician, she frequently treated athletes with anterior cruciate ligament injuries. This experience has motivated her to pursue through research to better understand health-related quality of life, or HRQOL, following a sport-related knee injury in active youth. Her research includes identifying what factors impact youth HRQOL during rehabilitation and developing strategies to improve long-term HRQOL. Christina continues to work part-time as a physiotherapist at the Glenn Sather Sports Medicine Clinic. She treats patients on weekends, participates in multidisciplinary clinics with sports medicine physicians and orthopedic surgeons, and teaches an ACL rehabilitation group class called the Functional Agility and Strength Training Program, or FAST program. You can find her on Twitter as at Yeg Physio or online at www.yegphysiotherapy.com. And again, we'll have all of the links uh, over at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So what are we talking about today? Well, we are talking about uh, some of Christina's research and her research centers around kinesiophobia following knee injury in a sport. So we talk about what is kinesiophobia, the preliminary results from the University of Alberta research team focused on prevention of early onside osteoarthritis, and why clinicians should address kinesiophobia early and often in rehab to minimize poor long-term health outcomes. So a huge thanks to Christina for taking time out of her WCPT schedule uh, for this great interview. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am coming to you live from Geneva, Switzerland at the WCPT meeting. And right now I have the distinct pleasure of sitting across a table from Christina Lee. She is a PhD candidate at the University of Alberta, and she's also a physiotherapist. So Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Karen. And today, Christina did a wonderful platform presentation on kinesiophobia after knee injury. And we're going to definitely get to her study on that. But before we do, Christina, can you tell the listeners, what is kinesiophobia? So kinesiophobia is uh, taken from the chronic low back pain literature and has been applied in our knee injury uh, population as well. And it's an excessive and irrational fear of movement due to 
feeling vulnerable to pain or re-injury. And so now let's get to your study. What I'll have you do first is maybe tell us why you thought this was an important thing to look at. Yeah, so I think after knee injuries and sport knee injuries in particular, and we're looking at more our youth, we know that there are a ton of different consequences that happen after knee injuries, and they span the physical, psychological, and social domains of health. And this is just one that hasn't been studied um, to great length in our youth athletes in particular. And it's something that I think can contribute to poor long-term health outcomes because it's the most common reason for kids quitting sport after they get injured. It's related to physical inactivity. So it's something that maybe we can manage a little bit better as clinicians and moving forward to help out with better long-term outcomes. Right. And that sort of lack of return to activity, lack of return to sport can, like you said, have long-term outcomes. So we know that inactivity can lead to obesity and childhood diabetes and a lot of downstream consequences. Yeah, exactly. Um, Post-traumatic osteoarthritis is probably one that's stuck in my head right now, just have coming from um, the Osteoarthritis International Society, Society International World Congress as well. And we know that that can affect almost half or up to half of our youth injuries that have any injury as well. All right. So let's break down the study for us. So I will just have you kind of take it away and talk about the study now that we know the why behind it. Go ahead. Yeah. So we are currently running an ongoing prospective cohort study at the University of Alberta. It's uh, part of the prevention of early onset of osteoarthritis um, research group, I guess, that was initiated out of the University of Calgary. And we're looking at youth athletes aged 11 to 19 who have sustained a sport-related knee injury, so tibiofemoral, patellofemoral injury within the last three months. Um, they had to have seen a physiotherapist, a doctor, some sort of medical professional, and had to have missed at least one training session or one game from their sport to be considered injured. And then we're comparing them to age, sex, and sport match controls. Um, we've, we're, I'd say kind of 75% maybe through our, our study right now. And so this study that I presented on today is just a preliminary analysis of what our baseline data was. Um, and what we were looking at was self-reported kinesophobia. So using the Tampa scale for kinesophobia and its influence on bilateral knee strength, um, using an isokinetic dynamometer and triple single leg hop and Y balance test. Okay, so those were all of the things that you were looking at. That's the data you were collecting, correct? All right, before we go on, I think most people know what a single leg three hop test is and the Tampa Kinesio phobia scale you can look up, but can you talk about what the Y balance test is really quick, just so people have a frame of reference as to what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So the Y balance test is we ask our participants to stand on one leg, hands on hips so they can't use their upper extremity to help out with their balance. They're reaching as far anteriorly as they can while standing on one leg. And then they also do a posterior lateral and a posterior medial reach as well. Uh, we do three trials and we take the average of the, the three direction reaches. Great. And they're reaching with the opposite leg. They're reaching with both legs, yeah. Both so they're legs. they're at one point they're planted on the injured or the index side, and the other, and then the other time they're on the other side. Okay, perfect. All right. So continue. Now we know what you're measuring. 
Uh, we know who you're measuring. So now let's talk about how. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we are looking at our mean within pair differences. So we take our injured scores, we subtract them from our uninjured scores in terms of study groups, and then we're just looking at the differences between the two groups on all those variables listed. Um, and then we're also running a logistic regression model that's accounting for our match design. That's look. And before you go on, what does that mean? Yeah. So it means that we are looking at the odds of scoring higher than 37 on the TSK. Um, and we're looking at if there's a difference between our injured and uninjured groups in scoring higher or lower than that, t that 37. And the 37 is based off of chronic low back pain literature, um, where a study had dichotomized their participants based on high fear responders or low fear responders mm -hmm. based on that TSK score. Right. And just so people know, the lower your score on the TSK, the less kinesiophobia you have, and the higher score, the more kinesiophobia you are experiencing. Yeah, exactly. So I always say TSKs work as like a golf score. So higher scores worse, lower scores better. Ah, very good. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, yeah. And then uh, we're also running separate multivariable linear regressions as well. So effectively looking at the association on, of TSK on strength or triple single leg hop or wide balance. Okay. And what did you find with that analysis? So what we found was um, with our mean within pair differences. So when we're looking at our injured versus uninjured groups, just based on these variables alone, that the injured group scored on average about eight points higher on the TSK than the uninjured, which means that they are reporting greater kinesophobia or higher kinesophobia, as you said. And they're also s scoring lower on strength, which isn't maybe the most surprising finding considering mm -hmm. they've just been injured. So we're testing them on a mean of six, or sorry, a median of six weeks after injury. Okay. The odds of scoring higher than uh, 37 on the TSK was about 10 times greater for the injured group than the uninjured group, which again just means that they're more likely to be kind of in that high fear responders group. Mm -hmm. And then with our multivariable regression, we found that there is a, an association between our TSK scores and our knee extension strength bilaterally and actually flexion strength bilaterally as well. The differences or the, the relationship, it, strength itself isn't the strongest. So um, if we have a one unit increase in our knee extension strength on our injured side, for example, it just corresponded to a 0.1 decrease in the Tampa scale for kinesophobia, which is a minor change. It's probably not something that is we can detect in all mm -hmm. honesty or that's clinically relevant, but just tells us that there is some sort of association between kinesophobia and strength. We know the results of your findings. What are your recommendations? What conclusions did you come to as a result of this study? And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back with Christina's answer. Today's episode is brought to you by Apex Network Physical Therapy, the first physical therapy franchise. Apex Network is privately owned with 70 plus locations in 12 states. With more than 20 years of business and clinical experience, Apex Network offers unique business models that are designed to maximize profitability while providing you with the tools and resources you need to optimize owning and operating your own practice all while remaining independent. Let Apex Network take you on the path to owning your own physical therapy clinic today. For more information, go to Apex Network Franchise com or call 314-391-2601. 
Yeah, so I think the the two big take-home messages is that kinesophobia is present as early as the three months leading up to or after an injury. I think as clinicians, we generally tend to look at this closer to the return to sport end of the spectrum of rehab, but it's something that might be early as or present as early as three months so we should be dealing with it as early as three months uh, and that it's potentially something that might affect both sides of the body as well so if you've had a right knee injury it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily have kinesophobia on that left knee as well so it's just trying to get clinicians to think maybe a little bit more bigger picture here mm-hmm. um, and that I think ultimately if we can address kinesophobia early after an injury then potentially we can set people up for more physically active lifestyles that sort of thing and then hopefully help out with that reduction of those poor long-term negative health consequences and so as a practicing cl- clinician so let's say I I am seeing a, uh, just making this up off the top of my head, this is not a patient I have, I swear. Um, I am seeing a 16-year-old boy who plays lacrosse, and let's say he, uh, we'll use a term, sprained his knee, quote-unquote, sprained the knee, all right? Maybe it's a, let's just say it's an ACL strain or sprain, so not a tear, doesn't need surgery. So they're coming to me. Should I be using the Tampa scale on the first visit that I see this this person, or do you wait for a little bit further down the line? I don't think it hurts to be to be using that right away. Mm-hmm. I think that what those these individuals with knee injuries or any MSK injury, realistically, they might be fearful of different things at different times in their rehab. And I think picking that up early on might be able to detect that. Oh, maybe he's you know scared of going downstairs or something like that. Whereas later stage rehab, maybe it means that he's a little bit more uh, fearful of changing directions with contact around. Uh, I don't. Think it hurts to necessarily use that TSK early by any means. Okay, great. So that's a nice take home for the clinicians listening that, hey, this is easy. It's simple. It's free. Mm -hmm. You can get it online um, and just have your patient fill it out and it can give easy to score. We just heard if you're over 37, maybe that's something to worry about. The lower the number, the less kinesiophobia. Um, So it's something that we can easily incorporate as clinicians Mm -hmm. with our, and this is, and yours is in youth, mm-hmm. um, youth knee injuries, yeah. can this be extrapolated to other injuries outside the knee and let's say the back that we know it's been? Right. Yeah. So the tricky part with the TSK is that it actually hasn't been validated for mm-hmm. knee injuries yet. Um, so it's hard to say, is, is this something mm-hmm. that we can use in other areas? Um, I really think that there is a need to validate this tool or if it's not, then to generate a tool specifically for knee injuries. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's something that we discuss a lot as researchers, as clinicians with our patients. Um, um, so for now, I guess it's the best tool that we mm-hmm. have, um, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right tool yet. Yeah. Well, it's something to add to your list. Yeah. Get, yeah. get Jackie Whitaker on it, get your team together, and that's another study you can yeah. do because yeah. you have the time, right? Totally. Really hoping to bring on Johanna, Dr. Johanna Quist uh, at some point on on this topic as well. So I think she's a good one to look at uh, if, if you're curious about the kinesophobia stuff in, in our knee-injured population as well. Awesome. And then where do you see, because you said you're about 75% through, this is your preliminary data, where do you see this going? So uh, in the grand scheme of things for my own PhD, um, I'm going to be using this data to look at more health-related quality of life in our young adults um, and our young athletes with a sport-related knee injury. 
I'm a big proponent of kind of that bigger picture. So again, I think we're, as clinicians, we're really honed in on the whole return to sport thing as our our indicator of successful Mm -hmm. recovery. And uh, looking at the literature, we know that only 66% of people return to their pre-injury sport at the pre-injury level. And we don't really have great numbers for anything past probably two or three years either in terms of sport participation. So are we maybe selling our our patients short if we're only focused on that one thing as recovery versus again kind of thinking bigger picture can we set them up in terms of physical health psychological health in terms of kinesophobia specifically um, social health as well so that they are able to maintain these health of healthy active lifestyles avoid osteoarthritis avoid the obesity all that kind of stuff Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have big plans, and it it I, I think it's only going to help clinicians, and and help uh, the young athletes and young adults and and teenagers and tweens that we treat on a regular basis. So thank you for your work. Thank you so much for having me. And now I have one more question. I probably should have told you this ahead of time, but I didn't because I forgot. Um, but the question is: is knowing where you are now in your career and in your life, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad? out of physio school? I would have said seek mentorship early and Mm. often. Um, I think it took me a long and windy road to kind of get where I am. And in all honesty, that's probably made me who I am now as well. But I think it would have been great to have maybe a little bit earlier, earlier on into my career as a new grad, a little bit more mentorship Mm -hmm. to somebody or some people to kind of cling on to more or less to have a little bit of guidance in terms of what I should be doing, where I should be focusing my efforts on and spending my energy in. Awesome. Great advice. Now, where can people find you? I am uh, on Twitter. I'm at Yeg Physio, so Y-E-G Physio. Uh, Yeg is the airport code for Edmonton, Canada, so that's why I'm that. Um, and that's pretty much the only thing I'm active on in terms of social media for professional stuff, so yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule here at WCPT to come on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm going to throw a quick plug in for the World Sports Physiotherapy Congress in October in 2019. Um, hoping to that all of you guys are going to be there because we are going to be there. Yes. So you should have a lot of fun if you'll come. Yes. And it's in Vancouver. What is it? October 4th and 5th or 5th and 6th something. I think it's October 4th and 5th in and around that, yeah. that first weekend of October. Um, and yes, the lineup looks fantastic. And if you, even if you don't work with a sport specific population, you can take all of this information and you can, you can pare it down or you can pare it up to the population that you're seeing because it's all about concepts. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily sport specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's something that's going to be useful for every MSK general practitioner mm-hmm. out there, whether again, yeah, you're in sport or not. So highly, highly recommended. Um, yeah, you guys should all come out and hang out. Yes, absolutely. We will both be there, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, uh, Christina, thank you again. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days, and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.